0: Church family, thank you for joining me tonight. It's Sunday night, uh, July 12th, and uh, I'm continuing and finishing the message that we started this past Wednesday night about Amnon and his friend. And so I want to thank you. I don't take this time for granted. I know, again, this is not the same as meeting in church, but thank you for making it a priority to tune in and For us to hear the word together. And my prayer is that the Lord will continually allow us to respond and take in, be anointed as we listen, uh, to be discerning, uh, to prioritize it, to focus and pay attention. I I know uh, how difficult it is at times, especially when you're trying to gather your family around, especially if you have children, smaller children, make them sit and listen and watch and have some sort of semblance of of order. I know everything can go wrong and so many distractions. But I'm praying that the Lord will use it uh, regardless. It is his truth, his word. His word is dynamic and life-changing and will not return empty or without profit. I realize when I listen to it and I process it and I allow the Holy Spirit to anoint the truth and I respond to him and act upon the truth I hear, that is revolutionary. And with that in mind, go back and turn with me in your Bible right there where you are to Second Samuel 13. 2 Samuel 13. We're talking tonight, finishing the message, Amnon and his friend. So part one, we dealt with the importance of one choice, the importance of one choice, and how Amnon's choice to commit sin, we'll find out again if what that sin was. Uh, we, uh, again, as we think about this text, I, I, I give you warning that this is a very uh, explicit text, very raw, very... Uh, Again, not inappropriate at all, but it's very direct. Again, God pulls no punches. He he doesn't spare reality. He shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly so that we will learn and for our own growth and benefit. So as we think about Amnon and his friend, the verse says, verse 1, and it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. That means she was very beautiful. And Amnon, the son of David, again, this is a half-brother, Amnon loved her. Literally, he lusted. He desired to have her. He thought she was attractive, and he wanted to have a a, 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 a physical sexual relationship with his own half-sister. Verse 2 tells us that Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. In other words, he became so obsessed with her and thinking about her, uh, literally lusting after her. He couldn't get her off his mind, and he chose not to. And, and so he, he obsessed, uh, became infatuated with her to the point where he physically made himself ill. The Bible says that she was a virgin. and Amnon realized how difficult it was, how hard it would be for him to do anything to her. Verse 3 though is a very critical verse in this text. It says, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Jonadab, whose uh, the, the, name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. So the text here tells us that Jonadab was not just his friend, Jonadab was his first cousin. Jonadab apparently had been given some type of access to the royal palace, maybe even a position in the royal court. That wasn't uncommon for relatives and cousins and nephews to be granted certain privileges. It seems to me that Jonadab was very close to Amnon. He might have even been obviously one of his closest, closest advisors, maybe even growing up as children together first cousins. I'm sure Jonadab was in and out of the palace. Uh, he had all the credentials, <laughs> all all of uh, 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 tier one access, uh, priority access to the court and the palace, and the behind-the-scenes uh, closed doors. And obviously he and Amnon were very close. And then in The text in verse 3, the Bible says something very interesting, very revealing about Jonadab. It says that he was a very subtle man. It, It actually means that he was very deceitful, very tricky. And as we talked about on Wednesday night, Amnon followed through with this plan to literally assault his own sister, to rape her. And he did. That's exactly what happened. And we talked about those consequences, the importance of one choice, the importance of one choice. But tonight, I want us to shift gears just a moment because the text here not only shows us the importance of one choice, the text here shows us the influence of one voice, the influence, that one lone voice can have in our lives. Verse three teaches us about Jonadab, shows us Jonadab, introduces Jonadab to us. And it is interesting to me that Jonadab is the one who gives Amnon this plan I would I would contend with you that Amnon very likely would not have acted on his carnal desire to have Tamar to rape Tamar had Jonadab not given him the plan. And I want you tonight to think with me practically about some voices that you and I allow to have access into our lives because the truth is every one of us gives certain voices access to our thoughts, our heart, and basically our, our, our decision-making on a daily basis. These voices either speak truth to us or they speak error to us. And it's up to us as individual Christians to exercise the discernment that we need and to decide what access we grant to those voices, that we will listen to. All of us are influenced by others and by other voices that we allow to have access in our lives, our minds, our hearts, every single day. So take just a moment and think with me tonight, dear church, about the voices that you and I are allowing to speak into our minds, our thoughts. Because don't ever forget, our thoughts Determine what we do, what, how we think, who we are, our thoughts, our mind. Uh, everything is shaped from our mind. And so it is pivotal that we guard our thoughts, that we guard our eyes, we guard our ears, we guard our influences. But what are some voices that you and I listen to every day that are very critical, very important in our shaping our philosophy of life, our worldview, how we view ourselves, how we view other people, even how we view the Lord, how we view our family, how we view relationships, how we view marriage and and sex and money and business, everything, politics, uh, cultural issues, everything is being shaped by the voices that we allow access into our thought processes. So let me, let me give you some that I think speak out to us constantly. Well, there's the, the public mediums of information. So say, Christian, what do you mean, public mediums? Well, I mean certain forms of media. For instance, printed media. Printed media. That's, that's that's what we read. I'm not just talking about articles or newspapers or periodicals, books. We're all influenced by what we read, print, any kind of printed material. That's why it's very important, dear friend, that we be discerning as to what we read. That doesn't mean that uh, we can't ever read anything that challenges uh, a our opinion or presents a differing opinion, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. One of the greatest things that I learned in college is to, be a, uh, to, to, to contemplate and consider alternative opinions and views and to be able to take the truth of God and the truth of common sense and to be able to, as one professor said, uh, you pick up the seed and you throw out the rocks. Uh, You get rid of what's error and erroneous and hurtful and you embrace that, that is true according to God. So I'm not talking about being brainless. I'm not talking about uh, not exercising discernment. I am saying that we must be careful. Um, Certain types of material, certain types of uh, content and information, you say, well, I'm an adult, I can handle it. Well, friend, if it's sinful or sensual or seductive or just plain negative and, 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 and hurtful and harmful and toxic, follow Philippians 4.8, the things that are holy, pure, just, virtuous, morally acceptable, praiseworthy of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Friend, let, let that be our guide when it comes to that that we read. So there's printed media. There's also social media. That's another voice that calls out to us and that speaks information to us. <clears throat> social media would be who and what we socially connect with. It's interesting, it's not just the young people that are connecting on social media. It's people of various ages, even some of the most elderly in our congregation uh, connect on social media. And I know because you send me certain things and videos and articles and things like that uh, through social media that you have found. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but we're all, it seems like many of us, most of us, probably if you're watching me right now, you have some type of access and you're being influenced by voices on social media. Man, one of the things we see through social media and that platform is the the selfie emphasis, but not not just in pictures, but in in how we want to promote ourselves. Self-promotion is pretty much what I'm trying to say. But not just self-promotion, but Self, uh, self-gratification and uh, a sense of, even for some, I believe, self-deification. A sense of self-exaltation. And friend, hear me, please. All of us can be prone to that. We must guard against that. But be discerning on social media. Not everything you read or see or video that you watch is accurate or accurately portrayed. Please do not allow social media to get you riled up and incite you over a certain cause. Be discerning. There's printed media, social media, there's entertainment media. That's what we watch, what we listen to. Again, there's nothing wrong with amusement per se, as long as it's Kept in bounds, and there's nothing wrong with entertainment as long as it's personally edifying and not detrimental to the cause of the Lord and doesn't undermine and compromise our spiritual integrity. But we must be discerning. There's, uh, then there's educational or informational media. This is what type of information we receive and how we are allowing our worldview to be challenged and shaped. This applies to just not only students and young adults, for all of us who are learning. And and, and and listen, every every teacher, every professor is an educator. That's their job. It's their job, and every educator is to be an influencer. It's their job to influence, not just... Uh, 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 us in the classroom per se, us getting through a course, but it's their job to influence our thinking in our worldview, and that's why again, dear friends, we must be discerning. Uh, we, we're, we're, um, All of us are shaped by that that we allow to enter into our eyes and our ears. Be careful about that. Those are voices that are calling out to us. But then not only Is there the voice of public, the public medium of information? But there's the voice and the voices of other people. Other people. And I'm speaking specifically of those that we call our friends. Those we hang with, those we spend time with. Those that we say are in our inner circle. Who is in your inner circle? Several days ago, I evaluated many that were in my inner circle and I just began to thank God for them. Multiple friends that bring out the best in me and help me. Who are those for you? Uh, who Who are you allowing access into your life? Look at the ones you hang with. Look at your 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 most intimate friends and the ones that you influence, they influence you. So, as we come down the home stretch tonight we think about the influence of other people and the voices that they have in our lives let me give you three three contrasts between a faithful friend and a fatal friend how do you know if you're being a faithful friend how do you know if you have faithful friends and i would like for you to evaluate your inner circle right now Even, please, adult, this is not a message to young people. This is for all of us. So, a faithful friend or a fatal friend? A faithful friend encourages you to do right. But a fatal friend entices you to do wrong. If that person, those people in your sphere of influence, in your inner circle... If they're really faithful friends, they're, they're not going to encourage you to do wrong. They're going to give you good counsel, godly counsel. They're going to actually rebuke you when necessary and steer you, steer us in the direction of right, and common sense, and godliness, and safety. But someone that's always standing over your shoulder, in your ear, trying to get you to do something shady, trying to get you to compromise trying to get you to do something unsafe or something that would violate your integrity or put your integrity in jeopardy. dear friend, they are not your fr- they're not your friend. They're not, they're not encouraging you to do right. So a, faith, a faithful friend encourages you to do right. a fatal friend entices you to do wrong. Characteristic number two. A faithful friend brings out the best in you, but a fatal friend seems to bring out the worst. My wife and I, even in our 26 years of marriage, have had to say about other people and other couples that we need to be careful that we don't hang with them a lot because of how negative they are. And we found that that Couples or that person's negativity bled over into me or her or us together as a couple. And shame on us for allowing that to take place. But at the time, we had to make a decision that we've got to be careful about that. But a faithful friend brings out the best in you. I I remember my mom, particularly, and other leaders and adults in my life saying to me and to others, listen, You're not a bad kid, Uh, you're not a bad person, the other one's not a bad person, but you don't bring out the best in one another. And you know, there's even some adults, there are adults that just, we just don't bring out the best in one another. And may God give us discernment about that. A faithful friend encourages you to, to do right, a fatal friend entices you to do wrong. A faithful friend brings out the best in you, but a fatal friend brings out the worst. And then a faithful friend runs to you to offer true help when you mess up. But a fatal friend runs from you and leaves you all alone. I'm thankful I've had faithful friends who when I, sometimes through my own bad choices, I found myself in a bad spot. These precious friends have come to me to help me Get back on track. They've loved me. They've rebuked me. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, scripture says. They told me, encouraged me to get back up, get back on track, get back right with the Lord and do what is right. But then there have been times when people that I thought were my friends, when I was at my lowest or most needy, I looked around. They were nowhere to be found. It's interesting in verse 32 in our text that Jonadab, the same friend, the same first cousin, when everything shook down with Absalom and Amnon and Absalom killed Amnon, guess who was there in the palace? Guess who was the, the messenger to tell David What had happened? Well, verse 32 says, Jonadab said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Jonadab, the trickster, the one who was very subtle and deceptive, he was the one standing there, the very one who gave Amnon this plan. is the one standing there to inform David because of Amnon's choices and sins. he has lost his life. Are you a faithful friend or a fatal friend? Do you have those faithful friends in your life? He that walks with wise men will be wise. But a companion of fools is going to be destroyed. You and I are who our friends are. It's not just true with children and with young adults. It is true with all of us. We have voices that are influencing us on a continual basis. You are or will soon be who you hang with. Take you back to April, 1986. I was 14 years old. It was my spring break. I was with a group of young men. I thought they were true friends. They weren't bad people. They just weren't best for me. At that stage in my life, I had made things right with the Lord, nailed some things down with Jesus, and had taken some stands about right and righteousness and wanted to grow in the Lord. God revealed something to me that day. I made a decision that day that would change the trajectory and the course of my life. I made a decision to separate and to be more discerning about the ones I allow to give voice in my life. And as I have continued to live, I've had to make that same decision to limit or even eliminate access to my mind and heart. that Some voices were having, and I say this in love, dear friend, you'll have to do the thing, same thing, if you're going to grow and be strong in the Lord. So as we pray tonight, I'm going to ask you to, before the Lord, pray this prayer with me. Pray. Lord, help me to evaluate the voices I allow to speak into my life. God, give me discernment to eliminate the voices of error in my life. Thank you for tuning in. May God help us to grow in grace and in his knowledge. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we have investigated this passage, these last two services, I pray that you would help us to never forget the importance of one choice, and the influence of one voice that we allow access to our heart and mind. I pray that your voice, your voice, your sheep hear your voice, your voice would be the loudest that speaks into our souls. Bless our weak as we glorify Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.